Welcome to Season 3 of Terrace Truth Talkin', the 7 plus F's of living. I'm Joanna Bonaro, the creator of the series Good and Screwed, and out of that came these podcasts for females in their fulgent years, 45 to 75, who want to flourish in a frenetic world. I hope you'll enjoy and share. Is this a real Welcome to Terrace Truth Talking. I'm Joanna Bonaro, and I am so excited today to bring on a a colleague and friend and just wonderfully creative painter, artist, Susan Cottle Alberto. Congratulations for your, uh, how many years are you married now? Oh, I think this is eight. Eight years. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, Susan Cottle Alberto is a painter who lives and works in New York City and in Honesdale, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and she is a painting and drawing instructor at the 92nd Street Y, and also an associate professor of drawing and and painting at at Parsons New School of Design. So welcome, Susan. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. And just like go ahead, no, 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 I'm so thrilled to be. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be a part of this. one of your guests on this podcast, this oh, wonderful series. I'm so happy. I, I, I had to I had to ask her twice. Do you believe this? I had to ask her twice because, because this is your first podcast, right? Oh, okay. So anyway, I think I'm going to cut that out. Um, we met. Let me tell you how Susan met. Susan and I met at the 92nd Street Y. I needed a creative outlet that was not a lot of pressure. Uh, and didn't have any demands, and I simply wanted to, to zen out. And I was very nervous to take my first painting class because I'd always drawn on my own, but oh. I had never painted ever. I didn't even know that. I didn't know you were nervous. Nervous, very nervous, yes. So I take a beginning uh, painting class at the Y, and I lucked out and I got Susan. <laughs> And she was just magnificent, and we just became really friendly. We so, had a great time. Yeah, it was really anyway. great. Yeah, and, and, you were, and you were natural. Thank you. Just- yes, <laughs> I've progressed since then. But let's let's talk about you now. So, um, when did you discover your calling or your passion to become an artist, a painter? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I've always really enjoyed working with my hands, whether it be making things. I've always had the the um, desire and the need to make things so you know whether it whether it's with forming things out of dough or uh, wood um finding things at a thrift shop you know a thrift uh yard sale and kind of putting them together sculptural things and certainly drawing and working from observation um and um i attended montserrat college of art my i guess i did a little bit in high school and um when I was introduced to Montserrat College of Art in my hometown of Massachusetts, um, Beverly, Massachusetts, it was love at first sight. Was I just, it? Yeah, it was just such a fabulously creative place. Um, I remember seeing sculptural installations, roots and things in the stairwell. And it's just, um, it was a really great place to explore. And then I guess it was maybe my second year that I was introduced to painting. and um, And I just had a special fondness for working with paint and color. Okay. And you also, you love the human figure too. Oh, definitely. And figure you teach that. And yeah. Yes, yes. I teach figure drawing. Yes. 
Yes, she's, she's an amazing artist. We're going to talk about her art and some of her paintings in, in a few minutes. But let me ask you, just as part of your creative journey and as, as a young child and any creative child, usually when they say to their <clears throat> parents, I want to be this, that, or the other thing, fill in blank creative, uh, they, there usually is a look of horror or, <laughs> you know, let's be practical. So what happened in your case? Um, so in my case, yes, my parents um, and my mom – uh, was introduced me to um, some post-impressionist artists and um, gave me some lessons in um, a park by the beach in a barn. It was this wonderful lessons that were in a barn, and we got to use charcoal and um, kneaded erasers, and I just I just thought it was wonderful. Um, but I think they were um, – when I said I wanted to be a painter, that was a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but at the time I was studying, I thought maybe graphic design mm-hmm. or something. But at the time I was studying, um, it was – I learned um, – I worked with my hands. But it, then I realized it was a lot of it was going to be computer-based. So um, I was more interested in holding brushes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of a shock for my parents. Okay. Um, but they were they were supportive of my – they just wanted to make sure I had the right – made the right decision. Sure, sure. So uh, when – when you were younger, you went mm-hmm. to museums, I'm sure, and, and art shows mm-hmm. and, and looked at books. What were your younger artistic influences? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think I always thought – I think nature was – I wasn't exposed to a lot of um, um, historical art at mm-hmm. a very young age. Um, we did have museums in Boston, the Museum of Fine Arts, which I had seen, and the Peabody Museum, a nice um, museum in, um, in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I would say nature was my – I wanted to represent nature, and I wanted – I just loved being in nature. And somehow I connected nature to art, the textures and colors in nature. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. I didn't expect that. I know. <laughs> Just so you guys out there know, I've known Susan for a while, but actually the discussion we're going to be having today, we've never really had a no. cohesive or, or discussion just on our backgrounds or anything like that. So I'm discovering this also as as we all go around. None of this is planned. Um, it's interesting that you say that because my love of, of art, just my mm-hmm. love of art, came when I was growing up and my mother used to take us on Sundays to the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Museum of Art and and she loved the Impressionists. Mm-hmm. So we always went there mm-hmm. and, and that I was introduced at a very early age. Well, you know, when I was like 10. 11, 12, mm. to uh, Monet and Manet, and my mother loved Renoir oh, yeah. and the Van Gogh. And so I... What a gift. I just found it fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, and I would sit there with my little, my number two pencil and a paper, and God bless her, she would sit next to me as I tried to copy a Rembrandt, you know, not, not, oh, I don't wow. have That's the talent that you have. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy it, but it, it was just, it's different how people are introduced to art, yes. you know? I went, my mother was also a very big fan of Vincent Van Gogh, and um, and so yeah, he was just a, an early influence too. So let's talk about now painting. Mm-hmm. When you talk about painting, which I always thought was a revelation to me in my first class with you, 
because all I ever thought about was color, and I used the term colors, colors. And Susan had to break me of this habit, and she would always correct me and also teach the students to use the terms um, uh, value, hue, saturation, which we'll get into. But but Susan, what you talk about when you see, when you're mm-hmm. looking at anything really, is you talk about your fascination with light and shadow and shapes. So why does that fascinate you? How does that influence you in, in how you paint and how you determine what you want to paint? Okay, that's a good question. It's one of my favorite topics. Good. It's <laughs> something I think about all the time. I'm, um, one of my first influences, actually, when I was studying painting, I saw this book called, I don't know who the author was, but Northern Light, and it was um, – uh, a lot of the collection of works by um, about artists, Scandinavian artists. Um, so one thing is that light um, can tell us something about the time of day, right? Mm-hmm. You can represent the time of day with um, light. Mm-hmm. Were we talking about light and shadow or color? I can't remember. We're, we're talking about light and shadow and <laughs> okay. shapes and uh, you, you know how, how you mm-hmm. approach it with your art. Um, but I was um, I've always been interested in the poetry of light and what light reveals, the shapes, the clues, things, details, and texture that light reveals and that shadows conceal. Um, there can be an implied story. The, the painter can imply a, a story. There can be metaphor in shadow or light shapes. Um, shadows can be dramatic or subtle. Um, they can subtle shadows can portray a quiet moment or it can be a more theatrical moment. And I think it just leaves the door open for the viewer to interpret, to bring, you know, their own story okay, and their own experiences and kind of interpret it that way. And so I've always been really interested in this and also very attracted to, I think my inspiration is always, um, if I'm painting the landscape or the cityscape or something, is it has to do with light. Mm-hmm. Well, you did an exhibit. I'm going to bounce around here mm-hmm. for a minute, but you did an exhibit at, oh, there's an article in the River Reporter, uh, October 1st, 2019, for those of you who want to look it up, because it has pictures of her magnificent paintings, by the way. But what there's a, on the cover, the color issue, there's a picture and for some reason my computer didn't print out uh, the the name of the picture, but it's this beautifully vibrant, colorful picture with a lamp and a chair mm-hmm. and a table and uh, a small statue of, of, of a giraffe on it. And it's magnificent. You think, you, you know, you, you listen to me say this and you're like, okay, a table, lamp, chair. And yet now you've taken it and you've made it entrancing mm-hmm. and vibrant. And there's a lot of, even though there's color in here, don't, I know, I know, don't cringe. Um, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's shadow, there's light and shadow. That's what this is all about. So just talk about this, like, let's say, you know, for me, to to educate me for instance the chair uh-huh. and then you see those shadows at the like that's what makes it interesting well thank you for, <laughs> for to, all of that um i think the title i almost forgot the title for a moment is night light night light for artisans uh, and i was working on a series of um glowing night lights um especially when i 
in the winter when I couldn't be outside painting. Mm-hmm. I really thought of these as sort of my um, indoor landscapes. Um, and these are a collection of um, objects that are that I'm thinking of. Some of them as handmade. Um, actually, a relative, a great uncle, made this this marble table. Something oh. I've always yes, he was an ironsmith. Wow! And um, it's it's a one of a kind thing, so it's really interesting. But I guess the textures and the the shadow shapes. I'm getting around to the shadow shapes that you're <laughs> asking about. Um. I guess they drive the they they drive the composition. They kind of create a, a point of entry mm-hmm. and sort of a path of light through space. So it's a way of kind of getting in and um, it's it's kind of creating a sequence, I guess, for okay. the viewer to. But observe. what I always found, and this is very elementary, but I still find it fascinating because when I used to look at um, the paintings paintings, I just saw the. I saw the painting as a full product, mm-hmm. and when I was learning how to paint, I learned that shadow, the importance of shadow, gives the depth and the weight. So exactly. all of a sudden, I became obsessed with shadow, and you would think that, because I was always drawn to like the bright yellows or you know the Van Gogh, the greens, the yellows, mm-hmm. the, the pinks, but I never paid attention to the what I thought were the grays and the browns mm-hmm. that was so dull. But when you're actually painting, or as you taught me, and, and, and which is exquisitely portrayed in your paintings, is that's what, that's what gives it shape, that's what gives it expression, that's what gives it weight and, and depth and, and and three-dimensionality and that's right i found that mind-boggling by the way and i still do and it also carves out um it also carves out a a space Mm -hmm. it kind of creates a a shallow space or a deep space and um, it kind of makes you want to see what's behind or under that chair there's um in this particular article for those I, i hope you look it up there's also we'll concentrate on outdoor in a minute but um there's a wonderful painting called Grandma's Gold Swivel Chair. So I guess that was your grandma's chair. Yes. Uh-huh. And again, um, it's very vibrant yet subtle yellows and greens and blues. But it's it's interesting how the, the, the shadow creates the mood, for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. So I love Thank this, you. by the way. Oh, do you? I yeah. Was, I was really interested in portraying... Um, Lately, I've been really interested in portraying texture, like fabrics, like velvet, mm-hmm. um, has a kind of lower contrast, and you can see warm and cool colors, whereas things that are more met- metallic might have um, much higher value contrast. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of interested in portraying some of that. It's beautiful. but And Thank even you. like the, the window showing the outdoors, it's not opaque. It's not an opaque, let's say, black. You know, it's... There's an entire picture outside the window. <laughs> Great. I'm glad you picked Look, up I on that. Look, I see it. I see it. It's right there. That's always, that's really always been fascinating, too, to me, is like um, the window to another, to the outdoor world mm-hmm. or to whatever you want to interpret your past. It could be, you know, future. It could be anything. But windows and passages mm. and doors and things can be very interesting. Yeah. You also had, did I make a copy of it? You, there was a painting, I guess I don't have the picture, where it's your hallway, 
Mm-hmm. What's what's the name of that painting? I think um, we discussed that when we went to see the Valaton exhibit. I'm I'm not watching. Oh, Open Doors. Open was Doors. One, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. I loved that. And um, again, it's just your your the perspective. It's a deep perspective, and you feel like you're you're looking to about to walk through the rooms mm-hmm. and the hallway. It's amazing. It's just Thank amazing. Uh, I also wanted to bring up the Valaton exhibit that you and oh, I yes. went to at we the Met. Together. That yes, was nice. What a great day that yeah, was. Yeah, thank you so much. I was completely <laughs> unaware you. of this artist. And, and it, it, what, what year did he again? Um, Early 1900s, 18? I believe it was 19th century. I don't know okay. too much about that. Isn't that funny? We went to the exhibit and we were so focused on the colors the and colors the formal and the aspects right. of the but paintings, a lot of, but I believe 19th century. So I'm only asking, not, not yeah. you know, so that we can be art historians here. It's more because <laughs> in some ways what some of his pictures and he, it almost seems like he might have been an influence for you. Was he an influence for you or did you discover him later on? Um, I was familiar with a couple of them. And um, certainly that is the kind of um, imagery that would have been a really big influence. I love the way that he, but I wasn't so aware of him, um, his work. But 19th century art um, has definitely been a huge influence, landscape, and um, the way that he portrayed the figure and the scale of the figure and space. And uh, there were a lot of those kind of doors, yes. right, those passages yes. and, and reflection and really interesting um, surfaces like that. Well, let's talk about a little bit about your, your pl- Plinair. How do you say mm-hmm. that? Plinair. Plinair. Uh, Susan teaches, which at some point I will do this because it's wonderful. She teaches through the Y, a summer program at... How about this August, Joanna? This August (laughs) in... uh... (laughs) I've been trying for 10 years. (laughs) I will. I promise. I promise. Um, In Italy. Tell us about that. Um, I would say you asked what um, you asked me what one of my most exciting moments was mm-hmm. um, in my career as an artist, and I would have to say that this was one of the most exciting. Um, I had taught some in some uh, study abroad programs in Florence and Rome and um, Viterbo, all very exciting. Um, but um, I've but um, I think organizing uh, my own workshop for my own students who wanted to come to Italy, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but were not in undergraduate programs or adult students, um, and sharing with them um, a place that's very close to my own heart, Pinsolo, Italy, which is in the um, Italian Dolomites in the Alto Adige region in the north. Um, it's My grandparents are actually from that town. Oh. And it's a place I kind of explored um, to find out a little bit about their history. Um, and just fell in love with um, the landscape, and um, so it was really a, a high, a really exciting point to be able to share that with my own students and be on a mountaintop, and um, or in the village, and um, and painting with them or helping them to paint there. Okay. So, and you have a lot of return students too. Yes, there have been. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. I remember some of them. Yeah, they- yeah. <laughs> I know it's been it's a while. Second home. <laughs> yeah. But um and and you've talked about again when we're talking about light and shadow and shapes, mm-hmm. um with with plein air painting, which is basically outdoor 
painting. Now, is that an oil painting class? I don't remember. Or is that gouache? Um, well, but I have on location painting classes that, that um, I think with many of them, um, it's a good idea to kind of get us a, a basic course in the studio. Okay. I think it's good. I always recommend that. Um, and then with after an intro class, um, there some are based are oil classes. Mm-hmm. Some are lately they've been watercolor, watercolor. and gouache. Okay, and um, and some of the more um, intermediate classes, like the one uh, painting in the Alps. Um, people bring their choice of medium, something they're already comfortable with. Okay. I always recommend that for study abroad, but the demos are in um, watercolor and gouache at this point. So can you explain for anyone who might be interested in doing this, uh, mm-hmm. what, what does the course comprise? So you, you get to Italy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we, so we get to Italy, and um, after a little orientation mm-hmm. to Don't the worry. town. Just keep going. <laughs> after a little orientation to the town, uh, we wake up in the morning and we start our first day of painting. So it's seven days, seven full days of class, um, a morning and an afternoon class. So it's like five hours of painting a day. Oh, heaven. And so each day we go to a, a location, two days up in the mountains, two days in the village where we can um, focus a little bit on um, perspective and the liveliness of the of the town, mm-hmm. the markets, mm-hmm. people, you know, working with how do you, you know, put people in that space um that's not easy not actually. easy no. no but we simplify it we, yeah i you know. know the idea is just shapes and and then we do two days um on water um there are plenty of beautiful lakes the river um and we do a day trip a longer day trip to um lake garda the oh. largest lake in the region oh i didn't know so, that yeah so it's so we don't do much traveling mm-hmm. you know they're very short um trips and we we stay on site and, well the point is to yeah. just just paint exactly it's not really yeah traveling per se but but it's and, you're in italy so what more could you exactly. ask for uh, between the food and and the ambiance and the architecture and then and then the dolomites right Yes. Now, what's the difference? Because you've, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, you have um, been an artist in residence for the Petrified Forest in Mm -hmm. Arizona. Mm -hmm. So just table that for a minute. Um, And my question is, when we're talking about light, uh, how is light different in each locale? Let's say from the Dolomite Mountains mm-hmm. to perhaps when you are painting in Central Park in New York City. Mm-hmm. She has a course for that too, just so you guys know, which I've taken. It's fantastic. And 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 let's say in Arizona. That's a good question. Um, well, I mean, um, I think maybe one of the more um, – I, I guess the thing I was struck by, maybe one of the more obvious differences, is the warm, very warm colors um, that are in the in the desert, and there aren't any trees, so there aren't these. Um, you know, for somebody who loves working with shadows, there really aren't those shadows. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so um, maybe a little bit in some of the badlands, you get some of the canyon, um, the canyons, um, the shadows come closer to um, dusk which was a, such an exciting time to work there. It was just like, it was so exciting because the light was so pink and oh, orange. And that's exactly when everybody decided to call <laughs> to say, 
say hello. <laughs> but, uh, but it was such a magical, I just call it the magical hour, really. Um, well, they also talk about uh, later on in the day, even in when mm-hmm. filming, about the the magical light hour. Yeah. But um, but it was much more light and and very white and kind of a general sort of washed out lightness. Well, uh, for instance, I can see the difference even in your paintings with the light. I'm, I'm asking so that everyone can perhaps understand or see. In, in this article, again, from the from the River Reporter, there's another painting that's magnificent on page 11, exactly, for anyone who wants to look. And it's it's the desert. And... It's it's got it's it's described as the many hues of Southwest, right? Your series for for in the Southwest is magnificent. I mean, oh, I hope you. everybody goes on your website and takes a look at at these in Italy too. Um, I I just love I like painting rocks. <laughs> so again, yes. I'm another thing know, we have in common. Maybe because it's it's perhaps just for me, it's a little easier than painting a piazza, you know, mm-hmm. but. Um, like this painting alone, just just explain it to everyone. I can't explain it. Well, um, so one, so it's a um, it's a deep vista uh, with um, some dark rocks kind of in the foreground, and um, I would say I was working a lot at that point on um, developing deeper spaces and and a middle ground. I think the focal point is more in the middle ground where mm-hmm. the light is shining, and then in the distance there's a, a blue mesa off in the distance um but the use of um, of of the of i keep on saying colors but the uh use of the colors to me is it's there's so many actual hues and variations in this painting alone so it's it's a very complicated piece i mean uh, i think so what you're looking at here is actually was actually painted a couple years after so there's the work that i did and on plein air, okay. on location. Um, and then the process is a little bit different. I paint what I see there, and it's all about like trying to mix the colors and put them down really quickly on a small scale. Um, most of them are around 11 by 14, even some smaller. Um, but then when I go back to the studio, the process is quite different. Um, I take those paintings okay and photographs many 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 photographs and kind of compile i sort of look at them and i compile shapes and forms and colors from many different photographs that i take and memory and mm. intuition mm-hmm. so there's a lot of inventing back back in the studio so a lot of these colors there might be and it t- it took really a long time to get to the point where i was starting to be satisfied with the results when I was inventing, mm-hmm. um, it took a lot of working on site first. I mean, some people, some artists are very inspired by by um, just work intuitively mm-hmm. and can get results they're very happy with working intuitively. And I've just never been that. Well, everyone artist. has a different creative right. process, yeah. But this this is sort of um, a couple maybe that's after working on site and then kind of. Um, Synthesizing a little bit at home in the studio. Okay, yeah, that was so. A lot be... of the colors are invented, actually. Yeah, that's that was one of my questions. What mm-hmm. is um, maybe you've answered it, but it's like, what is the difference in your approach between your your plein air mm-hmm. and your studio work? Mm-hmm. It 
it's a different process, right? Or is it a different it um, mindset? Is uh-huh. it? Yeah, both. I mean, physically and um, and mentally, I think there um, there are similarities and there are a lot of differences. And when I'm working on site, I bring um, an easel, a folding easel, and I stand with oils. Or um, I usually also late in recent years, I really like to work also with gouache. Um, but most of the on-site work I tend to work, you would think it's much less convenient to carry oil paints and uh, and a big easel, but I do enjoy that. I feel like it's a little bit faster and um, I can capture the atmosphere that I want um, working wet into wet. Okay. Um, and then at home, I also continue working oil, but I tend to do a lot of, um, I work in watercolor. Um, and cut paper. I've begun tearing off little pieces of colored paper and putting them there. And it's, it started off as just um, a way to um, solve color problems. Okay. And um, and I never intended to really leave the paper there. It was just to see what color I should mix. And then then um, then I started working with collage. I thought, why not just leave it there? And plus, it's it's a brings a, di- a different dimension to the I painting. I think so, yeah. And it's been, it's more playful. You know, for me, it's um, it's taken a little bit of the serious and intensity, seriousness and intensity out of it and making it more play for me. Okay. So that's where I am right now is I really enjoy the playful process also. Let's talk about that. I didn't, I didn't expect to talk about it, but <laughs> now I want to. <laughs> me too. The <laughs> emotional aspect of art mm-hmm. or creating. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they say any act of creation or especially painting or drawing after 45 minutes brings down the cortisol levels. And that's why there's art therapy and all. And that's probably why I instinctually just said, I want to, I've always had a fascination. I want to pick up a paintbrush. And whenever I do it, it's my, it's my creative hobby. I don't do it for acceptance. I don't do it for a job. I don't do it so anyone will eventually purchase it. I just do it for me. It's my own little special present to myself. Now, I'm sure you feel that way too. Uh, and I'll explain that um, as far as you and your love of it but there's an aspect then because you're an artist that you know is there stress involved in being an artist to when you have to show or you know selling your paintings does that like how does that affect you as an artist sure um I think especially when at times where now I'm enjoying a little bit more studio time but there have been times where my demands in the classroom um have left me with little time to work and, and, and during those times I feel much less, um, freedom to explore. You know, I feel like I more, um, pressure to have to come up with results. And that's why something like a residency, like painting and with the national, as a guest of the national park service in, uh, a, a special residency situation mm-hmm. is such a wonderful thing for an artist and, or workshop, I think for people who want to, want to do that. So um, when was your first exhibit? Oh, I guess um, my first exhibit was other than my thesis work in college and in graduate school. Uh, when I finished graduate school, um, I was actually, um, a couple of my works were selected to go to, by an architect, to go to Hong Kong. Oh. And it was, um, it was very exciting for me. That is. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> 
the strange thing is, and I will just be totally honest, sure. it was really a thrill. Plates were made up with my images. It was this kind of um, this this um, inter this uh, interdisciplinary. Um, arts center okay. kind of with a restaurant and all kinds of stuff and it was very exciting and I did um, you know they paid a lot of money to frame my work and to bring it and it was just the whole process was kind of fun um, the weird part is I only got one back <laughs> <laughs> I know so just throwing a little bit of reality out there it definitely was a learning process okay <laughs> but it's always exciting I think showing and um um, not just in commercial galleries, but sometimes in alternative spaces. And um, you, know. you had a showing. It's called where was it? At Coop, Cooperage or oh, wait, mm-hmm. what was that? The Cooperage is a um, a it's um, a historic building in Honesdale, Pennsylvania. That's used that um, there are some. It's a wonderful venue now for um, I think. Baskets or barrels used to be made there. And it has this wonderful exposed brick, and it's just a beautiful building. But now it's used as a music venue, so oh. they have a lot of um, uh, roots and you know um, music. It's a great music venue. There's okay. bluegrass and um, all kinds of events. And so this was a show that brought together. It was called Across the Delaware, and it brought together artists of um, New York on the New York side of um, the Delaware River mm-hmm. and um, northern Pennsylvania, northeast Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's very, very um, – it was it was a one-day sort of fair, like sort of an art exhibit. And um, I think it's very exciting to interact with other artists. And I definitely get um, a lot of inspiration and find it very exciting working alongside other artists and showing alongside other artists. Is that your most recent exhibit or um, – I think the most recent was on um, Main Street at a gallery called Missing Pieces. Okay. It was a one-person exhibition um, on Main Street in Honesdale. Was that exciting? It was. What yeah, is what is what is opening night like? Is it do they have a like a you always see on TV there's always a wine and cheese yes. gathering. It's and... really fun. You know, I always had this idea when I was um, first starting to paint that it would be, you know, almost like a I'd hear all kinds of advice and constructive criticism and things like that, but that's not what opening night is. Opening night is just celebrating Mm -hmm. and eating wine and cheese and drinking wine and enjoying, celebrating art. The fact that, you know, your paintings are up there, people are coming and they're seeing all of your hard work and and enjoying it. It's fun. Okay. Are any exhibits coming up or you never Um, know when when that's going to happen? I do. um, The next thing coming up is an exhibit at – at Remax, a realtor in um, Honesdale, also in Honesdale, okay. Pennsylvania, in um, in um, ne- next um, November, I guess it's okay. in November. But before that, actually, I have um, an open studio. I have I open my studio, Wayne County Arts Alliance. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yes, we have uh, this wonderful open studio. It's a nice opportunity to view um, works. And to purchase works from artists in their own studios. Oh, that's fantastic! So, yes, I went as a um, as a visitor for a couple of years and decided I wanted to be a part of it. Is that on your website? It will is that be. information. <laughs> it okay. will be soon. Her website, yes. by the way, is susancottlestudio.com. Yes, S U S A N C O T T L E Studio.com. And feel free to um, contact me and 
uh, with questions. Yeah. Anything. She's a wonderful, I mean, obviously you can see she's so warm and loving and kind and patient with perhaps some of the questions that she receives and, uh, and just a one, you're a wonderful teacher besides being an, an exquisite artist. But, um, I wanted to tell you guys a funny story when we went to see Susan told me about this Valaton exhibit and I'd never heard of him. And it's just interesting. I always I always observe human behavior. So um I, I'm walking with my friend and we're at the Valaton exhibit and there was this painting of of this just the you see part of a woman uh looking over a wall with she's holding was she hold it she had a white glove. And then there's this sinister figure in the, in the shadows. So it's just interesting how, because I'm always looking at to create stories and backstories and subtext. So I look at the painting and I'm enjoying it, but I'm creating a story behind the painting. And so I, ex- I expect something similar when I'm talking to Susan. And, but Susan's looking at it in a completely different way and talking about the I hues and, and the, was at an opera. and the shadow. Yeah. They were, um, spectators at an opera and the yes. shapes and that's what's that's what's fascinating to see a true artist's point of view and and how she's looking at the painting as opposed to how someone else is looking at well the painting. when we put the parts together the narrative together i think that the um the formal aspects like the shapes the composition and um some of those aspects really help um bring out the narrative mm. and you know they're kind of interrelated yes yeah so, yeah but was, that was, was fun good, yeah, that, that was, was fun, fun right I, don't know. <laughs> I, I liked that that's what I like so how do you keep your I'm sure um you know there are always exciting moments but there there are some there can be hard moments mm-hmm. depressing times you know um, if you want to share any stories about that or just segue to the question of how do you keep yourself psyched you know you're I mean you're uh-huh. constantly painting and 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 just like with acting you're acting all the time but sometimes it's not in these big big productions so and you want to be you know you want your artwork to be seen you want to be seen like how do you keep yourself psyched in in between um that's a good question i uh i i think by looking at art and continuously looking at art there's just always inspiration out there and for me always looking at nature um and i think getting inspired has hasn't been the problem has been more finding time that that's mm-hmm. always my challenge okay. is i never i always feel you know because i think you got to work through it if you if there are times where you don't feel like um you're not sure what to make or what to create i think it's really important to work through it and um i also want to go back to if you don't mind sure. that you were mentioning um the uh, the idea that um Certainly, art is therapeutic, and it's really, um, it's really good to bring down stress. Mm-hmm. And and I would say that's really true. And I loved your reasons for take for making art. And I think as long as you, I think it's really important not to put. And happens a lot of times. I think with people who are starting to study art, sometimes there are a lot of expectations. It really takes years of drawing to, you know, if your expectation is to work. Uh, represent nature in a realistic way. It really takes a long time, but there are just so many wonderful surprises and things that you can learn um, during the process. So I think the important thing is to enjoy the process and let yourself be surprised 
about what you're learning and what you're creating and kind of embrace those surprises along the way. Yeah, I I have to agree with you there because uh, I know one of the first things, one of the, there there were two first exercises when you were teaching us about color Mm -hmm. and one of them was really different. You were, well, you were talking about color and how different color influences other color. So we had, we had different shapes of paper and we had to form different shapes Mm -hmm. of paper and then you created a lovely shadow and and part of you says, I'm going to paint three pieces of paper. And then you realize actually how complicated it can be and what you're learning. So to add to what you just said, it all of a sudden it becomes absolutely fascinating that in and of itself. And you're learning so much and it really does bring a lot of joy. Um, and, and the other thing that was interesting, and I am still... Uh, fascinated by, I know this sounds crazy, but um, we started to talk about shapes, you know, when you talk about shapes. And so beginning shapes, you were talking, you know, just the the rim of a bowl, which is really hard to do. And you, of course, mm. just do it. And <laughs> I would be trying and then Susan would come over and correct it. And it would just be like one little thing, like Picasso, you know, when you've seen him, just little. And, um, but when you look at an egg, Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you like this or you know this example or not, but I have to tell you again, I think it was great because you know you have this perfect shape, this oval, and then it's when you think of eggs, any of us if if anyone says what color is an egg, you're going to say it's white, but it's not, and especially with the light or what or the fabric that it's lying on or the bowl that it's next to, every different part of the egg is a different color is a different hue you would and it's it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. It is exciting, isn't it? I loved it. And and when when you talk about somebody else, I don't know, did I read this? Where where you look at the bark of a tree. Mm -hmm. And the bark of a tree is not just brown. There are a lot of different colors. And I know when I've taken Susan's course, are you teaching it this summer? And Central Park, the gouache? Yes. Yes, it's working. What is that again? Um, it's through the 92nd Street Y, and it's um, three days of working with um, water media, so watercolor and gouache, painting the conservan- at the Conservancy Boat Pond, those wonderful remote little sailboats. Yes. And those are just these beautiful white sails um, reflect color. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in one space they look yellow, in another space they look blue, and I find that really fascinating. I think that's no, it a is lot fascinating. And I know when I took it with you, we we were looking across the pond and we were doing the buildings. But I'm again, I'm, I've always you talk about your fascination with nature. I have that too, and I love trees. And so I started just looking at the trees, and it's really not simple when you're just looking at the colors um, and and just the bark alone. In order to make it in uh, three dimensional or interesting, you have to look at is 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 there a yellow in it is there a blue in it what's it's the, you know what's the tone it's it's all about that the saturation exactly. of hue or what am i saying that correctly no yeah exactly saturation how how bright it is how yeah. much red you see in there or how much yellow you see in there and then also there's the value contrast how light in the lights and, and shadows right yeah and just as a plug mm-hmm. for you susan <laughs> Uh, with that course, first of all, it's lovely because it's during the summer. You're outside in Central Park. Who could ask for anything more? And uh, you're, 
you're using gouache. Mm-hmm. And I first was introduced to painting and, and Susan's courses at the Y with with oil painting because it, it completely intimidated me. So, um, oh, really? Yeah, it did. But now I'm, I'm, I'm not, but you know, uh, I'm still not great at it, but I, you know, I enjoy it. I'm not intimidated by it. Well, just picking up a paintbrush was intimidating mm-hmm. to me. And, um, but what I liked about the gouache is that it's very easy to transport and you don't have to worry about it drying. And, uh, even at home, it's easy to paint in gouache because you have to worry about stains and all with oil painting. That's so true. to make a long story short here, it's a wonderful course with a wonderful instructor in Central Park in the summer. And it's with with a very, it's a very easy medium to use and keep at home and doesn't take up a lot of space. So I would highly Definitely recommend accessible. it for whatever, even, you know, even for whatever level you're in, right? It's true. It's true. It it's is. A, it is. Um, an excess. I would say it's an easy medium, but um, because there are things I don't that are mean challenging. By, yeah, I don't mean that. I mean accessible. easier to you know with just mixing the color. Yes. Just mixing the color. Exactly. It's easier. It dries. Know? It dries faster. It dries. So it's more that's portable, what I mean. Right? That's what I. I don't mean yeah. it's easy to you to right. to use as a painter. I mean just for the practical. You're right. Lugging about that. and carrying and and staining your clothes or anything like yes. that. That's what I mean. I think you really enjoyed working with gouache. Oh, I you love working enjoy- with yeah. gouache. I started, you don't know this, but I started, because I write a lot of poetry, so I started writing poems about various aspects of life. And what I did was I started taking pictures of my other love, trees, that I thought reflected the poem. Oh, and nice. so I had started this series of this just little project for me um, of painting a, ver- a certain tree for mood and uh, that reflected the poem and it's, it's in gouache. Oh, I'd love to see those. And I have one and a half tree paintings. Mm-hmm. One's kind of done and I've started on the other and I have like, I have to do 10 more, but oh, that's just, idea. again, one of my creative projects really just for me because I don't want the pressure of any anything of approval i just want to that's do it great. for me yeah that's important yeah so uh i think i'll be uh talking to you about that maybe getting a private lesson or something i need to fix this susan i don't know how <laughs> um so let's talk about what are the, what are the things that we haven't spoken about that you think people should be aware of um, as a as a beginning painter as a painter that you just want to share I guess, um, you, I think you asked me about my influences. Yes. And there were just so many. It was kind of, I think I kind of skirted around it. No, go but, ahead. Let's go back. But they, um, you know, it was really in in school, in art school, that I really started, you know, becoming obsessively interested in art history and artists and stuff. But um, I want to mention a couple of my favorite artists. Sure. I mean, certainly the Dutch, the Renaissance, the Post-Impressionists, and I have a soft spot for 19th century um, plein air landscape painting. Um, but I would say there was a 19th century painter, Rosa Bonheur, who is a, Fr- who is a French um, painter. And she w- created these luminous skies with animals, really. Um, yeah, she painted a lot of animals. How do you spell her last name? Um, I believe it's B-O-N-H-E-U-R. Okay. Rosa. 
um, really beautiful, luminous landscapes. Um, another really fabulous 19th century female artist, um, Gwen John, who is kind of the opposite. She painted very subtle grays. Um, but I've grays have always been interesting to me, you know, just little how you could just place little pops of color. Um, and other than that, they're like warm and cool contrasting grays. And I guess also another one, Artemisia Gentileschi, who was a who painted in the 17th century. I know about her. Yes. I love her. So she was a contemporary of, um, or I guess a, um, the next generation after Caravaggio. Oh, I love her. When I found Fabulous, out about right? her, I said, I want, to, I want to portray her. I'm too old now. But I, I mean, that's a magnificent story. Oh, that would be. Wow. Maybe she you'll was, have that she opportunity. Younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she just painted these strong, bold, uh, she worked in bold, chiaroscuro, like um, light and dark contrast um, that was had a very dramatic effect. And um, like a lot of people were painting in the 17th century. And she, against all odds, she... Against all odds, that's was for sure. really had such a great career. And um, she painted strong women, biblical and mythological women. So, Wait, did you say, was she Phoenician? Um, I don't know where she was from. Italian, she was, I'm not sure. She was sure. Italian, yeah. I, her father, her up. she worked in, she studied in her father's studio. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's so amazing. You love her. I love her I too. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's great. Uh, what are you working on now? Are you working on any series of themes, of paintings? Yes. Um, now I'm developing some cityscapes. Oh. Um, so I spent my, in 2018, I, f- I spent my sabbatical in Pinsolo working on in the mountains and, um, you know, I had always wanted to spend more time there. Okay. Uh, my time has been really limited. But then toward the end, I started to transition to the, like, the vibrancy versus the quiet of the Italian piazza. Mm. And also the cityscape in New York, the urban landscape in New York. So um, I'm interested in that, I think. Okay. All right. And well, bringing the figure back into, into look landscape. Forward into, looking forward to that. Well, Susan, this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate your coming on and talking to everyone about painting. And I, I, can't, I can't extol Susan's abilities as an artist, painter, pa- teacher, and human being, okay? Because that's what this podcast is all about, to elevate and extol the talents and skills of the women that we all know. So I want to close, uh, well, actually, first, no, I'll close the show with uh, a quote by Leonardo da Vinci that I think Susan encompasses in all of her paintings. He proclaimed that painting embraces all the ten functions of the eye. That is to say, darkness, light, body and color, shape and location, distance and closeness, motion and rest. And I think that's just such a beautiful quote. That's lovely. Yeah. So I always ask my guests some questions at the end, just really spontaneous. Uh-oh. Spontaneous. <laughs> um, what really makes you happy now? What makes me happy? Could be puppies. You know, I think 
can I still talk about art? Can Absolutely. Still be art? That's what makes you happy. <laughs> no, it makes me really happy. I think I mentioned it, but it, but it's something I haven't done too much, but it makes me really happy working alongside other artists, like going to a figure drawing session mm-hmm. as a, you know, as an artist and working alongside others or, and also traveling with my little travel brushes. Oh, either with my easel or working on a smaller scale in my sketchbook with my travel brushes, visiting a new location, um, and sometimes just waking up to the sunshine in the city. Oh, that's nice. It's really inspiring. That's nice. That's true. Sometimes you wake up, you open your eyes, the light is filtering through the curtains. You take a moment and you say, this is just a really nice moment, yeah. right? This conversation's making me happy. Oh, I was nervous me about too. it. but. <laughs> and what steams you? Hmm. Steams me in the sense of making anything. Me... You know, if somebody pushes on the subway. Oh, yeah. Is this boring? Nice. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, that's a really big one. I think we need to be very polite to one another, even though we're New Yorkers I for the most part. At least here today we are, right? That's right. And uh, if you can give advice to women in, not younger women. To women in their 40s and 50s, what what would you say to them? Just that you're in your prime. Mm. Just your, you know, everything that you've learned about and you learned to do, not to do, you know, just be yourself and um, enjoy being you and just be the best you. That's you great. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. <laughs> you too, Joanna. Every episode, we recommend a book, and usually it's literature, but for this occasion, we're going to recommend for you beginning artists a book that Susan recommended to me when I took my first course with her, and which is magnificent and I constantly go back to. And it's by Betty Edwards, E-D-W-A-R-D-S, and it's called Color, A Course in Mastering the Art of Mixing Colors. So anyone who's intimidated by color hue saturation what that all means color wheels just learning about color uh i highly recommend it i it's on my bookshelf and i love it thank you susan another great recommendation from my teacher thank you that's same the same betty edwards by the way that wrote drawing on the right side of the brain oh okay we can look at that too yeah thank you thank you well thank you again and we will end with the quote Remember, Remember, kindness kindness counts. counts. Is this real?